Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a world where podcasts need feedback from their listeners uh-huh. in order to market themselves appropriately okay. to advertisers. I'm listening. One listener has the power <laughs> to shape the future. That listener is you. All right, Jake. Look, can we, you can you guys just please fill out this listener survey for us? It would really mean a lot. Uh, Accept your destiny. <laughs> take control. It's in the info. It's in the description of the podcast itself. It'll only take a couple of minutes, and it's confidential. We'll take no emails or telephone numbers we from you. We don't require an email. It, you know what? It's fine. We can just do it. <laughs> You have the power. You are the force that will guide us. So once again, just click the link in the uh, show description uh, of this week's episode. You can find it in the podcast app. It's very easy. Okay, we're done here. Thank you so much. And uh, here's this week's episode. Everybody, it's your wacky wizard Holden McNeely who loves lasagna, and it is I, your serious bruiser, who is a is a is a is a mouthpiece for the working man, the every person, <laughs> completely lovable and inoffensive in every way. I mean, you were supposed to say it's your Monday hating bruiser, but I guess we'll just move past that. I guess we'll just ignore that that was the thing you were supposed to say just then. Uh, honestly, if we're gonna rank Garfield uh, in jokes, then I'd have to say Pookie is a much more reliable and like humanizing uh, recurring gag. Well, we'll get into it, but um, as everybody does know, if it weren't for Hiroshima, we wouldn't have Pookie. <laughs> that was a Godzilla reference, uh, and it's not true. Way to kick the proverbial Odie off the table as for our introduction. <laughs> I am I am actually real. Okay, first of all, I have to dispel some fucking myths here because I'm about to get so much shit from the fan base, Jake, mm-hmm. because I have been very vocal about the fact that on the Roundtable of Gentlemen, I am very much a Heathcliff man. Okay. That's because you're just a naturally contrarian from your I, shitty teenage years. I, th- how, how, how there are certainly things that I love about Heathcliff over Garfield, just him being a bad boy, him being a trash cat, him really kind of getting his groove out in the city streets. You, you are projecting so much. I dare you to open. I, listeners, listeners right now, I want you to run to your phones and computers, open up like today's Heathcliff comic and see just the just the gibbering nonsense. Oh, please. Then open up today's Garfield and he is still there, still sitting at a table, still just berating his 
owner John through the power of sarcastic cat telepathy. Well, I, okay, look, I, I'm, I'm here. It's to, not I'm, even close. I'm it's not, not even defend, close. I'm not here to defend Heathcliff. Can we just let that go, listeners and Jake and everybody in the world? If everybody in the world could let that go. And let me be a man who appreciates things about both cats. And let me say right now, as I I hate saying this so hard, because of the way I've been treated on Roundtable, because of the way I have been treated by the mass populace about this Garfield thing, I... Garfield, I like Garfield. Okay, Holden, look at me. What I'm looking, look, look I was directly looking at you into my eyes. Before you said to look at me, I look, was looking straight look in your eyes. Into my eyes right now. Yes, sir. I love Garfield. Okay, all right. Holden, <laughs> I love Garfield. I have loved Garfield more for longer than almost anything else in this entire world. And Holden, uh huh. I don't know why. Okay, we're gonna. That go. was what I needed to answer this week. Really quick, we're gonna do a couple either ors with you. Okay, just pick what is better. Yeah. Okay, Snoopy or Garfield. Garfield. Calvin and Hobbes or Garfield. Garfield. Seriously, fuck you. You're an asshole. It's primordial. I respect. <laughs> I respect Calvin and Hobbes more. I appreciate it as a as a as a work of art more. My Hero love... Academia or Garfield. Don't make me choose. <laughs> <laughs> But I okay, but I know why I like my hero academia. I don't know what put the Garfield virus in my brain. And okay, hold on. Let's uh, let me break this down to you. Let me break this down it's for you right now. Because he makes you uh, well, us all feel oh, a little more okay about being lazy, a little more okay about loving food, a little more okay about napping in the middle of the day. I mean, don't we all need that feeling every once in a while? You've got Kathy over there arguing away and, and not being able to get. <laughs> First a date. of all, Kathy acts. <laughs> he doesn't arg. Oh, actually, really, arg is more of a, a, a Garfield pe- thing. Yeah. And actually, I will attribute this too to yeah, it's peanuts and but Garfield they did it too, right? Didn't they do? I literally sometimes when I get frustrated, I literally go arg I've, because of reading comic okay, books growing bit, up or reading bits, the funny bits papers. Aside, one time I yelled arg in the middle of like school when I was in like pri- like you know second grade or something, and everyone made fun of me because that's not how it's supposed to be. Ah. That's supposed to be read as ah. And like every, it's one of those things where like everyone apparently knew this and I didn't. I didn't. I mean, I love saying arg still today. If I get annoyed at something like not being able to open a a, a, a can or something, I'll go arg. All right. My own childhood trauma aside, uh, 18 million people watched the most popular TV show in America, The Big Bang Theory. Uh-huh. Uh, 66 million people own Thriller, the most popular album ever recorded. Uh-huh. Jim Davis has sold 200 million Garfield books. <laughs> Infinity War or Garfield? Garfield. Wow. Okay. Interesting. We're going to keep playing this game throughout the episode. So let's talk about this. It, it, it's all attributed to one man. So let's get into his life and let's entertain the masses with the with the story of Mr. Jim Davis, born in Marion, Indiana, on July 28th, 1945. Indiana, a very important part of the story. Indiana, it's like inherently Indiana. You know, it's 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 uh, it's it's he grew up on a farm. That's another big part of the story. A small farm in Fairmont, Indiana, with his father Jim, his mother Betty and brother Dave um, and 25 cats um, Dave it's a uh, farm his, and you own a cat as much as you just let them run around and like make sure that rats aren't hey, eating your I've grain. been to farms I don't usually see 25 cats on a farm that's not like completely normal also Dave's nickname is a uh, doc 
Uh, so of course the brother Doc Boy in the story John Arbuckle's brother. Oh, Doc Boy has not been a, made an appearance since like 1992. Doc Boy is so funny though. Lyman, I remember really liking Doc, Doc Boy. Boy. So like uh, uh, Chompy. There's like all these side characters. I that always have just loved it though when the when they would go when John and Garfield and Odie would go visit the farm. That was always like a really fun time for me when reading the comics because That's- literally anything was happening. Far side or Garfield. Garfield. Okay, that was pretty easy one. That was a softball. Uh, so anyways, uh, uh, Jim Davis says this about his family and the inspiration that uh, kind of got him into the comics. There's a lot of dry, sarcastic wit in my family, so that part came easily to me, but I wasn't a natural artist as a kid. I was asthmatic and spent a lot of time in bed as a child. My mom used to shove a pencil and a piece of paper in my hands and tell me to entertain myself. He was also inspired by, you know, many of the comics of the time, both funny pages and comic book style. I loved Dick Tracy. He said gasoline alley prince valiant beetle bailey blondie pogo and henry just about all the old cartoons they took me places i had never been before and opened my eyes to the world and so uh, of course that makes so much sense a bedridden asthmatic kid with on a farm with nothing to do and these cartoons and comics really help him kind of escape in his own way and also i love that he drew a lot of the humor from his family that's such a lovely idea that it was they had a very dry kind of which makes a lot of sense because i feel like farm folk have have that just dry as hell super super sharp uh funny humor if if they're humorous types i mean indiana has given us such amazing celebrities as axel rose colonel sanders james dean jim jones uh Jimmy Hoffa, David Letterman, you know, there's there is this like see Letterman's a good example though. I feel Letterman like Letterman is, a- is very Garfield. Letterman could be the voice of Garfield easy, I think. Garfield, like, like in a movie, you know what I mean? For me, was like baby's first irony. It was literally the idea yeah, of sarcasm yeah. was introduced into my brain through Garfield. Well, and I love to, much like uh, the Peanuts, I really loved how it was based around, you know, John Arbuckle, this loser who couldn't get a date. You know, these were more resonant themes for me in middle school uh, oh. than, than some cool guy than like the fucking Fonz or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, like it really just worked so well for me. You're telling me John Arbuckle, the uh, white man with uh, weird social tics and no self-confidence and who could not get a date for his life resonated with you? Because he, for some reason, resonated with me <laughs> that I can't possibly understand. But also the cat that loves lasagna. That resonates with me. <laughs> I love lasagna and taking naps and being depressed. The id und the ego <laughs> forever entwined. So, um... Jim Davis ends up attending Ball State University where he studs. <laughs> All right, please. Jake no, I'm sorry. Young. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Start over. I'm sorry. Jake. I wish you had a longer version of your name, like Jake Adaya Young or something <laughs> I could say to you. Because I like saying the longer version when I'm upset with someone. You know what I mean? Wait. Like I call Lexi Alexis if I'm like upset with her. You know what I, I mean? I mean, if you ever, if I'm ever taking a court, I'll be Jacob. Jacob Young, please. Wait. Yes. Perfect. Wait, what's your middle name? Uh, James. Holden James. I'm Jacob Simon Young. And that's a really good way to admonish me. Holden James. I Well, I have n- n- never in two worlds have I, I don't know, some expression like that. Holden so, James McNeely, you put down that crack pipe right this instant. So anyways, he attended Ball State University and there was no hair, please. Can we please? It wasn't hairy. It was normal. It was a university. And he studied art and business. Now, that is a very, very important thing well, to think he wanted about. Well, he wanted to be an artist. He wanted to be a cartoonist but he couldn't figure out how to do that so he initially got into uh the only thing he could do at ball state 
please, Jacob <laughs> Young. I. Uh, the only thing he could do was arts education, and he started doing that. But then once it actually got into, like, proper social theory and uh-huh. education, he was like, oh, I don't actually want to do this. And he jumped ship to study business. And that really would help him more greatly for where Garfield is today almost than the arts side. Uh, he he talks about how learning these two things definitely uh, brought his, you know him towards where he got to today with the business. And I can only think about our Calvin and Hobbes episode. I hope you go back and listen to that as well. I loved that episode that we did. And Bill Watterson's so different from Jim Davis in that business sense. Bill Watterson, uh, a little bit more of a purist when it comes to the art side of things. Um, whereas Jim Jim Davis was like specifically like I need a marketable character. I mean, that's how he came up with Garfield was was we'll attempting get, that. We'll get there. Oh, I know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to jump too far ahead. But, but it doesn't matter. He dropped out. He dropped out because he finally found a position uh, being an arts assistant for uh, what's the name? Well, of the guy? in between before before working for uh, Tom Ryan uh, and his comic strip Tumbleweeds, before doing that, he did what every single. If you are a writer, an artist, whatever the fuck you do, if you do not immediately get an advertising agency job <laughs> right out of college, you're never gonna make the million. I mean, you'll do fine. Yeah, yeah. But like literally every time we study a person, no matter what, and even if you're a video game designer, <laughs> it seems just get a j- damn job at an advertising agency for one. One year and then do what and then go for it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, he works at an advertising agency. And then in 1969, he ends up assisting Tom Ryan with his comic strip Tumbleweeds. It's an American comic strip that offered a skewed perspective of the old West. It was all kind of ridiculous, you know, Western style, real cheesy, fun, goofy kind of stuff. Um, and Jim Davis said of his experience there, I learned the discipline and skills it takes to become a syndicated cartoonist by watching Tom. That's what it's all about, guys. This is the comic book's artist's dream, right, is getting one word, and that is syndication. Getting your shit in as many newspapers as humanly possible so that you can pay your bills and not work at an advertising agency. And so that's when he started working on his own comic strip. A legendary character. Norm the Nat. Or is it just Norm Nat? I think it's, I think I want to say Norm the Nat. I think it's Norm Nat. Yeah, it's not, it's. Which is even, yeah, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. There's a lot of things that aren't quite palatable about this character. It's a bug. It's Norm Nat. He just seems kind of plain Jane. I mean, did you look at any Norm Nat? It was very hard to find, like, actual copies of it, but it was pretty unimpressive. The character design itself is, like, kind of unbecoming. It's, like, kind of ugly. He's, like, gross and fuzzy and has this, like, mandible beak thing. Mm -hmm. Um. And he plugged away at this for like six years. Yes. And uh, he could not get a syndication deal. Uh, It's funny because like one of his editors at the time or like someone he respected was like, oh, you should do a comic about a bug. And Jim Davis was like, I'll do a comic about a bug. And then like later uh, syndication executives were like, nobody wants to read a comic about a bug. And it was like heartbreaking. And I, I mean, Holden, I don't know if you have any experience about this, but like being have you rejected ever, have you ever over like and over dedicated, again. Dedicated, uh, <laughs> yeah, I do. Several years of your life to a specific <laughs> endeavor, only to have it kind of never pan out and gain acceptance. You learn a it's lot. It's foreign along, to me. Ha, ha, ha. You learn a lot along the way, though, Jake. And it everything leads to everything else. That is how you have to put it in a box in your mind so you don't go crazy (laughs) from the fact that you busted your ass on like a very 
specific goal for fucking uh, five, ten years, and it didn't quite come to fruition. But then I pivoted, and then other things started to work out. I'm not talking about me. You're yep. talking about me. We're talking about Jim Davis. We're talking about Jim Davis. We're talking about the cat daddy himself. He would receive rejection letters from syndicates for years and years. He said of this, I thought bugs were funny. And nobody else did. He also said newspaper syndicates were getting tens of thousands of submissions from hopeful cartoonists a year and taking one or two. The odds were heavily against me. And I wanted to pull, I pulled that quote just to give you an idea of of the odds of, of you becoming a professional comic strip artist. You, you would think it would be a more niche endeavor. But but at the end of the day, I mean, I th- there's plenty of people out there who have three box comedy ideas I mean obviously it's kind of changed more these days I think if anything you're trying to get like internet famous off of your cartoons and have your own website and yada 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 and the, not even necessarily need the newspapers but back in the day more you so had than any option, other industry and that comic was strips the have shifted drastically in the yes. past 40 years since Garfield has has been created well, uh, that as well oh my god yes that is I mean Garfield himself changed so many things so uh, and I love that an artist once told him your art is good your gags are great but bugs nobody can relate to bugs uh, so he famously killed Norm Nat in a strip where uh, he was holding a sign that literally said like the end is a foot and then in the last panel a giant foot squished him to death Akira or Garfield Garfield It's now the late 1970s, and the field was swarmed with dog strips. You had too many of them, Jake. You got got, Marmaduke? I was going to say Marmaduke. He's so big. You got Snoopy fucking ripping it up, smoking J-Bones with the Grateful Dead. You've got, um, what's the other? There's another one. Uh, I want to say Get Fuzzy, but that's a way more recent cartoon. <laughs> Dennis the Menace has features heavily a dog. Either way, it's only dogs, no cats. And uh, Jim Davis said, I took a long, hard look at the comics. I saw dogs doing well, but no cats. And I thought, huh? And so he used growing up on the farm with his 25 cats as an inspiration to write this strip. Also, Garfield's name, though, comes from his grandfather, James A. Garfield Davis. And um, he refers to uh, this man as a large cantankerous man. Uh, Jim Davis has said also a rather stern and intimidating person, but he had these really kind eyes. He was a teddy bear. So much so, this is very much a great description of Garfield. Love that it's based off of his grandfather. I actually. Actually, uh, there's a documentary on YouTube you can find that's like uh, about the history of Jim Davis. And in there, uh, Davis describes how he drove to Indianapolis and rented out a room at a holiday where, you know, he bought a room at a holiday inn for three days with nothing but art supplies and basically went on like a Hunter S. Thompson like creative bender to like forge Garfield in his mind and like, you know, worked on designs and worked on gags and worked on like uh, characterizations and was just like, I just imagine like walls like scribbled in blood and feces and cocaine. Which I love too because if you think about like... Little babies crawling on the ceiling. (laughs) If you think about like how Garfield looks at first, just like how the Simpsons look at first yeah, yeah. or Snoopy looks at first it's such a he just looks like such a little like turd he's original <laughs> Garfield is very ugly yeah it is a truly ugly design <laughs> Oh, just throw it just throws you off so hard, especially because there's such a gold standard to the way Garfield looks. Like I can immediately imagine him in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just so, just so specific. And old Garfield's just like, like it's just this fat turd fuck. Yeah, you know what I mean. Anywho, uh, John Arbuckles 
name, according to Davis, uh, is this. The name John Arbuckle came from an old coffee commercial I remember hearing. I'd also use the name as an expert source to add credibility to my speeches. So he thought that John Arbuckle was like the perfect name for some some fake source. You know what I mean? Like, which is incredible. When I created the comic strip, the name just seemed to fit the kind of poor sap who would get stuck with a cranky cat like Garfield. Um, so there we have John Arbuckles uh, uh, coming in. And then Odie, based on a car dealership commercial written by Davis, which featured Odie the Village Idiot. Early on in the strip, Odie's owner was a man named Lyman. Oh, Lyman. He was written in to give John someone to talk to. <laughs> Davis later realized that Garfield and John could communicate non-verbally, so they removed Lyman. And, you know, we're mostly dealing with either John, the uh, Garfield, Odie, you know, there's others we're about to introduce. And very few actual humans. You Mainly, you have his family. You've got the veterinarian. Liz. But it's always pretty much love interests that come into play. For the most part, you just have... Um, you know, Garfield and Odie and John. I mean, that's kind of what we're dealing with, you know? There was also, like, a weird weird thing, like, in the Lyman era where, like, Lyman was the source of the jokes now. <laughs> like, it became <laughs> the Lyman show. Weird. With his weird, like, wispy little mustache. It was just, like, it, it had this Burton Ernie vibe. It I kind of remember Lyman. The strip quickly takes off, and uh, one of the first, like, real shows of power is when the uh, strip was actually taken out, out by, like, the Chicago Sun-Times. Yeah, they did. They ran, like, a little, uh, essentially, like, a little demo of it and quickly decided to remove it. Well, they, they just ran it. Like, they someone, has, like, a strip had to go. And so they kind of had a, like, last hired, first fired um, uh, uh, policy at the at that paper. So, uh, turns out, people fucking loved that sassy cat. Yeah. Jim Davis said of this, here I am, 90 days into my dream career, and I lose a newspaper. I thought, this is it, it's all downhill from here, and then the fucking strip gets magically reinstated after more than 1,300 phone calls and letters. People picking up the phone and calling and being like, <laughs> where I, my cat? Could you imagine? Hello? Could you imagine? Hello, where cat? Like, who? Hi, I could, my name's Grog, where cat? I couldn't have fathomed ever doing that. Picking up a photo and being like, I liked the cat. <laughs> One. And they're just like, what's going on? Have you, you know, are you okay? We're sending an ambulance. You know what I mean? I mean, I remember, uh, like, it is actually, I God, the era of, like, when comic comic strips mattered is so amazing because, like, you know, newspapers were one of the most dominant forms of media, and like the comics page was really the most viewed oh, part yeah. of it. I every Sunday it was the first thing I did. I'd come downstairs, waiting for breakfast, and and read through the Sunday comics. You my know? little my my suburban town was rocked when they started running the Boondocks, and there were like you know whole editorial pages filled on whether or yes. not these sassy brown children deserved a spot in our hallowed page. <laughs> Um, and, and it was also the heyday of, of syndicates. So I wanted to give a small, very brief history lesson about the United Feature Syndicate, which is actually what Garfield was run on um, in 1978. Uh, they re, re, accepted the strip and debuted it in 41 newspapers that June in 1978. But the United Feature Syndicate was started by E.W. Scripps and owned by 22 newspapers in 1885. And in 1907, he combined his newspaper providers into the United Press Associations as a rival to the Associated Press, which would later become the United Features Syndicate. Um, his comics, uh, other comics that it featured were Dilbert and the Peanuts, 
Um, and yeah, it, it, it was all, all the way back in 1885 when this was going on, when just these these rich, fancy rich guys would start buying up different newspapers or owning different newspapers throughout the country and controlling the news that came out that way. Garfield's first Sunday page ran on June 25th. 1978. Um, but this is where we've got really the prime time fertile ground moment of how Garfield goes from like this fucking turd, just this fuck, just this shitty fuck cat. Yeah. That you just want to fucking just make, just shave him of all of his fur and make him march it through a, a high school cafeteria initial- while the children laugh and scream and berate him into the Garfield that we beloved today. These and like the first couple of years, I tried reading them, and there is just something has been lost to time. Like, like <laughs> Garfield's like speaking style is like weird and antiquated. He's making like references that like just I are indecipherable now. Uh, they introduce all these like weird side characters that are just like ugly looking. But uh, something happens where the the strip is still doing well because it is a novel concept, a sassy cat. And uh, it gets picked up for specials, TV specials on CBS. And according to legend, according to legend, uh, Jim Davis is working with famous animation uh, producer uh, Lee Mendelson. The point is he's working with an animation company who also was responsible for the Peanuts uh, animation specials. Famous like Christmas. Yes, I mean my fav- my favorite. I know that Jackie will tell you from page seven, a wonderful podcast. Jackie will sit here all day and be like, oh, the Garfield Halloween special is like the best special. I, nothing for me personally beats Peanuts Christmas. That is like the end all be all. My brother and I watch it together like every Christmas morning. It's like such a tradition. And that to me is the perfect Christmas special. And in these or holidays and in these early specials, uh, like uh, they're basically trying to workshop how to redesign Garfield for animation, how to make sure because, uh, you know, this lumpy turd design doesn't really like animate well. It doesn't like Fuck walk. That. It doesn't stand. Ugh. It doesn't do anything. doesn't do anything. And they're trying to get like figure out how to get Garfield to like stand on two feet. But it's like it's awkward. And uh, Charles Schultz. There you go. I was creator, waiting for I was like, are you better attributed to some other fucking asshole? Because this is attributed to Schultz, damn it. So Charles Schultz. The creator of Peanuts. The, yeah, the guy who is also Peanuts. at the studio peers over and like basically says do you have the exact quote he drew these two big feet on garfield and he was standing magic if you look at garfield's design one of the weirdest things are these two fat weird giant human feet <laughs> yeah and they're like and like on these skinny little legs and uh it's because that grounds the character it allows yes. him to stand upright and have it not be a weird psycho thing because Animal legs are bad. And and, and it, it slightly humanizes him. To, it does a few things, right? It slightly humanizes him as well, so you feel like a little more connected to him. And also, it kind of goofies him up a little bit. It makes him just a little more silly looking, a little more fun. It also know? frees up uh, the character to, like, grasp things and manipulate the world around him. He can now, like, run around and do stuff yeah. like a more traditional cartoon character. And he still sits in, in a cat-like way from, you know, in different, you know what I mean, depending on the scenario, but it is... It is fun to see him more human-like. We, we can identify with him a little bit more. Uh, Davis also said about Schultz's influence on him, I try to keep lines simple. That, and that's something I learned from by watching Charles Schultz. My strip is pretty clean-looking stylistically, and Davis has always had very kind words to say about Charles Schultz. I love that they're buddies. Um, it's so great. They are not buddies. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, no. Charles Schultz famously hates... Uh, hold on. I have. Of course he does. I'm not going to... Please I'm not gonna, teach me. I'm not going to waste time 
uh, like reading the story verbatim. Well, he, but they I, were friends for a while, at least. I mean, I have m- different quotes of him I mean, saying that friendly. he like likes Charles Schultz and that he's he's like an old friend of his. But like a uh, uh, an old, a former uh, syndicate executive. Uh, agent whatever uh, talks about how she befriended Charles Schultz by visiting his house and like it was kind of cold and kind of like awkward and uh, they only truly bonded once uh, Schultz like kind of grilled her on whether or not his strip would get enough love from the syndicate and he wanted affirmation that she also hated that fucking cat. <laughs> well, that sounds more like maybe he was more competitive with the uh, Garfield Cartoonists strip. are small little men in their <laughs> hovels just drawing the same bullshit over and over again. It is a fate that Bill Watterson escaped by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> So, anyways, uh, uh, let's talk about some other notable fun characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, most importantly, Nermal. I love Nermal. Nermal's the Nermal was the first time I ever began to question what gender was. <laughs> Nermal, a cute cat that Garfield is jealous of that first appeared in 1979, who proudly proclaims himself, Nermal is a guy, the cutest kitten in the world. Always, there's always a running gag where Garfield wants to mail him to Abu Dhabi. Um, and uh, in the strip, he would he would always show up on Garfield's birthday to like ruin his day, essentially. Every time he came in, I can see it in my head right now, like John, like lovely, uh, lovingly, like petting Nermal while Garfield just gets so angry. Like literally, like it's in my brain right now. I'm just so used to it. It's actually kind of, uh, it, it actually works within the Garfield meta. Literally, Nermal's voice actor was an actress, Desiree Goyette. Like, so Nermal had the eyelashes, Nermal had a girl's voice, and no, Nermal's a boy, and it blew my fucking tiny mind. Uh huh. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> Jim Davis is like acutely sensitive about making sure that Garfield isn't cute, that ah. he stands in opposition to the idea of cuteness. Garfield's cute. Garfield has gotten more visually appealing, mm. and like he has depth to him. Would you fuck him? I would not fuck Garfield. Okay, uh, unless it's that weird pet force version of Garfield with like the fucking slamming body. You Ice know cream I- or Garfield? Garfield. Okay. Um, I've I've known Garfield longer. Um, <laughs> like specifically, there's like an interview from like the 1980s where uh, this like real <laughs> this like gonzo journalist is like grilling Jim Davis about this is like back in the 80s and he's like man you know you have seven books on the fucking New York Times bestseller list you're like stealing out of my fucking wallet man writers like can't compete with your dumb cute cat and Jim Davis is like whoa man listen Garfield is not cute <laughs> it's like it's a very weird thing That's so, so funny. and again it's not that like you know Garfield is this highly marketed being but it is important that like Garfield is more relatable as a not cute character. He is mm. not like he is not fluffy. He is not a you know he's not kitty. He's he represents some kind of like cynical darkness while still being as sellable as possible. Mm. Baby's again, baby's first irony. Yes, is, yes, is, yes. I, it's the it's what keeps like ringing in my head. Uh, all right, I've got it. Super Mario or Garfield. Okay, Super Mario. Okay, there you go. We found. But one. they're the same shape. Oh, they're right. the same. They even have like Garfield's like weird little like mouth flaps and <laughs> Mario's mustache. They might as well be the same thing. Um, uh, you also have Arlene, the gap-toothed, sweet-natured, pink stray cat who likes Garfield, and Garfield like won't be with her, and it's like a whole thing. And I love. She it. has a weird neck, and in the original cartoons, she was gray, and her name was Penelope, yes. and they just threw 
were under the bus. Uh, and of course, you mentioned uh, the character before, but of course, the totally ripped off from Calvin and Hobbes, Pookie. Mm. I'm not. I'm just kidding. But I was reading about it, and I was like, this sounds exactly like the relationship between Calvin and Hobbes. Garfield's teddy bear and best friend, which really does help, I think, not make him cute, but at least give him, like, more of a sense of, like, even though he's cantankerous and whatever, he still, like, loves his little pookie, which is very sweet. Uh, another early, uh, I guess, innovation of the Garfield empire was the Garfield trades, the Garfield collections, where... Uh, the standard for running strips in order to fit a standard book size is that you would run these normally horizontal comics vertically. And Jim Davis was so upset that it ruined like the flow. Cause you know, you read like left to right and it's just like, you know, introduction setup, punchline and like the downward motion, like literally threw off the rhythm of these comics that he cared about. So he like kind of futzed around and figured out like a half size horizontal book and th- if you've ever yes. Scholastic Book Club, you of know. Of course. Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, Garfield fat and in charge. The, best, Garfield day of, the losing- best day of school ever, second to the day where they bring the fake uh, van that lo- go- sets on fi- fake fire by the fire officers. They bring that little thing and you have to like be on fire in a house and like leave it. What? You remember that? I went, br- to, I went to a small Jewish school. They Maybe brought this little, you got this little like, it was like a little trailer cart. Pe- some people remember this. The firemen would show up and it was like, they would fill it with fake smoke, which was awesome because it smelled delicious. It was like sugar smelling, you know, and you loved it. So you'd actually like like to be in the smoke, which is kind of bad. And then they would like show you how to like get out of a. Uh, oh, you got to stay close to the floor. It's, yeah, it's... get out of a place on fire, and it was really fun. And then the other, but be the careful best, when you touch the doorknob. But the real best day was always the Scholastic Book Fair day, and of course we would always pick up a Garfield. I definitely had Garfield books. You had Garfield books. It was it was like a crime that they set up this thing to promote childhood yeah. literacy, and I would always just walk out with handfuls of Garfield books. Yes, of cartoons and silly things. But that uh, format not only was uh, more organic for reading comic strips, but it was a weird, like, kind of too long, too squat size to be shelved normally. So they were put on the end caps, which is, you know, if you know anything about retail, primo real estate Ah, for selling books. Very interesting. Very interesting. uh, From Even now, uh, people will refer to that particular size as the Garfield format in publishing circles. Uh, I love this quote by Davis about his uh, creation approach so I would like to read that now I send him up a tree have him look out of a window send him camping and then I watch him until he does something funny and I back up three frames and cut him off I love that and and uh, you know I also love this quote I have a couple quotes here because these are these are all what make me really like Jim Davis a lot um, this is on what Garfield represents and I think it is a large part of what you and me and most of America and the rest of the world who likes Garfield likes about Garfield he says we live in a time when we're made to feel guilty about overeating oversleeping not exercising Garfield not only does all that stuff but he's cool with that I think in a way he relieves our guilt. Garfield is everyone's alter ego. And I just love that quote because it's so true. And it's less about like being okay with being a piece of shit. And it's more about just like accepting who you are for what you are, accepting your flaws, you know, accepting indulgence a little bit into your life and, and being okay with that because we can't just live in a world where it's just a constant like be skinnier, get fake tits the size of a room. You know what I mean? It's just like we don't need to live like that. Have bionic arms so you could jerk yourself out faster. We don't have to live in these fucking I don't need a bionic rules. arm. I got tits the size of a room. <laughs> we don't have to live with any of these rules, Jake. We can just say, hey, I want to be a fat, stupid 
lazy asshole for at least a day. <laughs> Give yourself a day, and we never had. No one likes Mondays. You know what I mean? I had, uh, what's it? I had, I had, uh, the problem with mornings is they they should start later. Yes. Thanks, Garfield. Thanks, Garfield. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's me, your bearded bruiser, Jake, here to tell you about this week's sponsor, Keeps.com. Uh, confession time. I was a premature male pattern baldness sufferer way too early in life. And it was humiliating. Luckily, treatments were available. The downside is, at the time, those treatments were massively expensive and a huge hassle to get at the drugstore. Luckily, there's a company that takes all the hassle out of this process and helps you keep the hair you have. That company is Keeps.com. All you have to do is go through an incredibly simple online sign-up process. I literally did it in a taxi on my way to the airport, and a real licensed physician will examine your case and recommend a treatment plan. Stop hair loss today the easy way with Keeps, offering Customized treatment plans with only FDA-approved hair loss products for about a dollar a day. Your order consists of a three-month supply that'll help you get started, and uh, you can re-up after that. Here's where things get even crazier, because right now, if you want to halt the progression of hair loss, because I'm going to just say right now, the earlier you start, the more hair you keep. The longer you put it off, the more you're going to be Patrick Stewart. And right now, we're making an offer that, honestly, if you are concerned about hair loss, you have to try this. Simply go to keeps.com slash wizard. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash wizard and get a free month of treatment when you sign up. Keeps. Hair today, hair tomorrow. And um, and also, and this is the last one, and this one resonates so much with me and the way I like to be creatively for the most part. I've let it slip on stream a little bit from time to time about my political beliefs. He has this to say about just the not Garfield is never getting political. I consciously stay away from the political because it's in the rest of the newspaper. They handle it better than I ever would. I'm dealing with very basic things, eating and sleeping, and I predict everyone's still going to be eating and sleeping 40 years from now. Will there be a denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula 40 years from now? I doubt it. And that's the point. I want him to be the cat next door, and I feel a real responsibility to balance the scales. Yes. With what's going on in the economy and politics, it's awful and very depressing. So the purpose of the comics is to lighten things up and go, hey, let's not take ourselves so seriously, folks. I love it. I love it, Jake. But also, Jim Davis was born in post-war America, lived his entire life in Indiana, a wealthy man, and saw that the most well, let's string them up then, Jake. The let's most, string them up and light them on fire, Jake. The most profitable thing you can be is inoffensive. That you will never go poor if you help people not think. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> this comic book is incredibly successful at this point. This comic book, this comic strip, rather. Mm-hmm. This comic strip is now appearing in, in, in 1981. This is less than three years after its release. It appeared in 850 newspapers and accumulated over $15 million in merchandise. And because of that, Davis founded Paul's Inc. to manage this, a production company located in Muncie, Indiana, with nearly 50 artists and licensing administrators on staff. Now Garfield is everywhere. Huge in the 80s. Massive. Not only is he everywhere, but he is meticulously managed. Uh, one of the biggest early uh, merchandising hits for Garfield were those uh, suction cup like uh, car window plushies. Uh, I loved those. They were such a hot item, like this kind of tickle me Elmo fever for these things. Yeah, yeah. That people were breaking into cars to steal them. And from that negative publicity, uh, <laughs> Davis literally 
ceased production because he knew that he didn't want things to like get too stale and get he didn't want Garfield to become a fad. That's one of the things that makes Jim Davis uh, such a literally the head of a billion dollar empire mm-hmm. is that he was a cartoonist and a businessman. Yes, absolutely. And his day was split up in that way. Uh, I have a fantastic when it's come when it comes to quotes. Oh, you're salivating over this Woo! quote about his work day. My working day starts around 6 a.m. I read email, answer letters, address business issues. The rest of the staff at Paul's Inc. comes in around 8 or 9 a.m. I'm involved in lots of meetings, and there are always business decisions that have to be made since there are licensing, publishing, TV syndication deals in almost every country. I set aside one week each month to focus on writing the comic strip. Once I get in writing mode, the gags can sometimes really flow, and I might write four to six weeks worth of material in one week. I have several assistants on the comic strip who help with blue lining, inking, lettering, and coloring. On a normal day, I'd say I work 12 to 14 hours. Thank goodness I love what I'm doing. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I will say this. I don't work nearly as hard as this man, but I will say this. Now that I live the life that I live, I have to remind myself that I've been working all day. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It is easier to put in more hours because I'll literally like get it done with the day and I'll be like... I feel like I haven't done shit. I, should I be doing something right now? Or do I, do I have the right to relax and play video games? You know what I mean? And then I'll think, I'll be like, you worked a 10-hour day. You just didn't. You know what I mean? Um, so it's amazing. And, and it is amazing the power of loving something enough to really enjoy it. I'm surprised he's not burnt out is my only thought. Because I feel like if you focus that much time on this one cat, you would eventually grow to hate it or at least like hate a side of it. It seems like he loves the artist artistic side and the business side equally. Also, he's able to transition from artist to businessman almost seamlessly throughout his workday, which is a very hard well, to do. In this day and age, like, you know, he'll talk about how like he spends like one week a month just kind of like spitballing gags and doing like rough like scribbles on his like expensive Wacom and then uh-huh. sending it off to the Polysync art staff, yeah. which is sizable at this point. Yes. Um, but, As I said, uh, what, 50 artists and licensing administrators. People estimate right now in today's day and age, uh, uh, people estimate the worth of pausing anywhere from $800 million to a solid billion dollars. In 1994, the company purchased all the rights to the Garfield comic strips from 1978 to 1993 from United Feature Syndicate, so they had everything in their control. By 2004, Garfield appeared in nearly 2,600 newspapers. Just think about that. Before we just say fucking numbers, Jake. Before we just throw out it's, a number. What is a comics page without Garfield? What is it? It's nothing. Just a bunch of dumbass fucking, um, uh, uh, what do they call The husband and wife that hate each other. Uh, the Lockhorns. Just a bunch of Lockhorns and fucking, uh, uh, God damn, I can't think of a... <laughs> if I opened up a comics page and there wasn't a Garfield, I would put it on the ground and take a huge shit right on Blondie and Dagwood. I would smack my dick so hard against a... <laughs> box of family circus and rip through the newspaper i would mush my ball sack against dilbert until he created an impression of him much like a silly putty yeah do you like that you like that you dirty fucking newspaper <laughs> i'm having some flashbacks i'm having some memories i've been pushing back about it's, my childhood it's nice Anywho, um, Garfield himself, this cat, has sold from anywhere between $750 million to $1 billion worth of merchandise in 111 countries. How many countries even are there, Jake? Is that all of them? Um, the 
And it holds the Guinness Book of World Records for most widely syndicated comic strip in the world. I don't know if that's still true, but it was it's true. It's absolutely still it's true. It's absolutely still I true. I mean, um, I found the actual like website of Garfield's, like of Paws Inc.'s sales department, and it is insane. Like, uh, okay, are you familiar with what a Q score is? Uh, no, not at all. Will you please uh, educate and entertain both me and all of our other people listening to this podcast right now? Uh, the Q score is used a lot in publicity circles, and it's kind of this uh, independent, uh, uh, I guess, firm that will actually rate uh, celebrities and politicians and characters on their uh, both their likability, their like approval rate, and just their recognition. So stuff like Coca-Cola and Mickey Mouse have like a near 100% Q score. Uh, Garfield has a 95% familiarity Q score. Wow. Which is like, if you asked a, if you had a hundred people in the world, man or woman, young or old, baby or dying, uh, they would be like, oh yeah, it's fucking Garfield. And which is like insane. It's kids, it's parents, it's boys, it's girls. And if you don't want to deal with like Marvel or Nintendo or Disney or fuck any- those assholes, here's this guy in Indiana that has a fucking cat that everyone in the world recognizes. And if you want your product, your fucking, uh, you know, notebooks, your shoes, your luggage, your hats to like move off the shelf, this guy will be like, come, come on, buddy. Why don't, you, why don't you join Team Garfield? Mm-hmm. Why don't you join Team what Garfield? Is, what is it about his look that is so inviting to a child, to an adult? I just, anytime I went into a, a bookstore, I'd find this section. There's just something about that care, the look of him that is just appealing to people. Well, uh, one of the another big mutations in Garfield's history was uh, there was a newsprint shortage at some point in like the 80s. And so the size of papers was actually shrunk. And in order to make the cartoons more readable, uh, Davis refined the design and made uh, Garfield's eyes and mouth bigger so that his expressions could be me- uh, be more easily read. He like codified how every character kind of looks with his art team. And to be fair, if you're a professional commercial artist that got signed by Paws Inc., you're probably a better artist than Jim Davis. Yeah. And so the level of uh, like just the general quality of the of the strip was way more professional than a lot of the other strips on the page. Uh, if you go, you can find like Garfield archives online. I settled on the year 1991 because that was like a year I remember specifically being very into Garfield and reading a lot of it. There are really good jokes, not just from like a gag perspective, but from a like visual comedy like point of view it is these are genuinely good comics like there's big setups nice set pieces like good pacing between the panels garfield was a very well done professional comic strip um and it's only recently where thanks to like uh newspapers basically dying the comics page shrunk even further and now if you look at modern garfield comics there's barely more than two characters on panel Mm. they like literally cut like there's there's rules within pause inc to like cut down the amount of words per panel to make sure that above all else you see garfield you can legibly read garfield and you walk away never feeling mad or upset (laughs) And of course, um, uh, Jim Davis now usually just does the rough sketches and and the basic writing. But his there's uh, a funny video where uh, I think it was the Wacom company, you know, who does the drawing tablets, uh, like had a video you can find on YouTube called like how to draw the world's most famous cat. And 
even Jim Davis like pulls up a Google image search to look up references. <laughs> That's amazing. On how to draw his own fucking Well, cat. And, and his longtime assistants to most of that type of work, uh, Bet- Brett Koth and Gary Barker, which I love his last name's Barker. Um, and uh, Davis said of the, of, uh, the idea, I remember I mentioned earlier, how does he not get burnt out? Well, actually, I have a really great, great quote for that. The novelty is not worn off because I'm still trying to get it right. Now and then, if you can do some silly gag that comes out of left field that delights the readers, that's worth a lot. That's what I go for all the time. One day, I'd like to write that gag that makes the whole world laugh. Uh, He also says, I would like to do it for as long as I feel I have something to contribute to it until someone taps me on the shoulder and says, Jim, you're not funny anymore. Stop it. I can't believe 40 years has gone by. It's been like a finger snap. But I also have another quote about his retirement, and that is, they'll have to pry the pencil out of my cold, dead hands. So of some conflicting conflicting stuff here. But um, we haven't talked much about... More of the TV stuff. How about Garfield and Friends? Should we get into it? Uh, first of all, I'd, I'd just like to do uh, a quick... I feel like the listeners need to need to voice their opinions on this. You can find us both on Twitter. We have a lovely Facebook page, and I really want, I really want people to make their voices heard on this. Mary, if you could play the Friends Are There uh, initial theme song, just a clip from uh, the first couple of seasons of Garfield and Friends. Friends Are There. To help you get started, to give you a push on your way. And then, if you could follow up with the second theme song, We're Ready to Party, We're Ready. We're, we're ready, ready to, to party. I hope you bring lots of spaghetti. Now, I like the first one better. And I like the second one better. You son of a bitch, I will cut you! I will stand on my head and I will let the blood fill up in my head until it goes so big that my whole head blows up and I'll blame it on you and then the newspapers and everybody will say, Jacob did it. It's Jacob's ladder. It was his way to trap Holden in some sort of infinite hell and that is how I'll kill you. As long as the byline says the first theme song definitely did kind of over uh, play up the <laughs> conflicts and the kind of... Uh, juxtapositions between U.S. Acres and Garfield's tonally in terms of comedy. And uh, I'm just going to say this, Goku or Garfield? <sighs> Goku or Garfield? How? Um... Piccolo or Garfield? Fuck. <laughs> don't, don't make me choose, man. Don't make me choose. Trunks or Garfield? Garfield. Okay. Jesus. At least there's that. Uh, so Garfield and Friends, it's a convergence of the Garfield characters with, by the way, Jim Davis has other strips. He's not just doing Garfield. Uh, U.S. Acres had its moment in the sun, but AKA, it did not have a long. A.K.A. Orson's Farm. But I remember that that was a lot of fun in um, in in the TV show was just having all these fun side. Those those characters were uh, very, very fun, I thought. I said fun a lot just now, but they were. I liked Booker, the little chick, the angry chick. Or was that the egg? Uh, uh, the egg. I'll go through them, actually. I literally wrote down Wade every. Wade was the fucked up one because his little like duck head on his inner tube the matched ca- his head yes, in real which life is super and they weird. never explained which it. Which super weird. Wade Duck, uh, the cowardly craven duck. You've got Orson Pig, the bossy leader. You've got Roy Rooster who's a loud greedy rooster. Booker, a chick who loves books. 
Sheldon, which is Booker's twin brother, who's never hatched. He's the one stuck okay, in the egg. Show, I get and it. And then, um, uh, by the way, shout outs to your boy Tristan, because I actually got a laugh out of this tweet <laughs> he sent. He was like, the most annoying moment in children's cartoon history. And it's literally a moment where they're all sitting around, and Sheldon's about to finally hatch. Mm-hmm. He's about to finally do it. And everyone's like, he's going to hatch, he's going to hatch. And then his shell pops off, and there's just another shell under there. I just remember I have like sight like more so than the Jesse caffeine episode of Saved by the Bell, the uh, Roy the Rooster uh, addicted to peanuts episode. What was fucking crazy? <laughs> I was like I, I like I learned more about the human condition from Roy the Rooster's peanut episode. <laughs> uh, you also had Bo Sheep, the, which was kind of a surfer dude, and Lanolin Sheep, the loud and disagreeable sheep. The show was originally broadcast on CBS. Episodes usually had three quickies, um, which would be either uh, based around uh, U.S. Acres or Garfield. Yeah, exactly. It would be based on the strip. Um, it was uh, Garfield was voiced by Lorenzo Music, and this was actually kind of a big deal because at this point, Garfield didn't really have a voice until he started doing the TV specials and Garfield and Friends. Well, Lorenzo Music, interesting story about him. He started out as a writer and a performer on a show I remember that I used to actually watch with my dad when I was a very young child, the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. I would totally do an episode on that. They're a very interesting story because they actually have the opposite problem as Jim Davis. They got too political and that actually caused them to get axed off of TV. And also... Two guys just being like with a banjo and a, <laughs> and a bass just bass. being like hey that Vietnam sure is a sour pickle <laughs> <laughs> exactly and then uh, he ended up being Lorenzo Music ended up being a writer on the Mary Tyler Moore show which led to him co-creating the Bob Newhart show now well, that was a show that yeah my family would Bob watch. Newhart buddy I loved it and on the Mary Tyler Moore uh, spinoff Rhoda he was cast as the voice of Carlton the Doorman due to his sleepy, husky voice. And he actually had a hit song off of this character. Uh, it's called Who Is It by Carlton the Doorman. Mary, if you would please play that. Who is it? Hello, this is Carlton your Doorman. Now lately I've heard a few rumors. People are asking if I drink a lot. Well, I'd like to put an end to all those rumors. I drink a lot, but it never gets in the way of my work. I mean, drinking's just sort of my hobby. I never act weird or fall down in the street. Mm-mm. I do it right here in the lobby. And you can hear it right there. You can hear it's exactly the Garfield voice, uh, just in a completely different context. This lackadaisical, shitty doorman. And after just one audition. Lorenzo Music was cast as Garfield. According to Davis, I looked at the room full of voice actors, and then in the corner I saw Lorenzo quietly licking himself. I honestly (laughs) believe it was Lorenzo's comic delivery that kind of elevated uh, the Garfield character more so than like even Jim Davis's uh, gags. Um, Also, weirdly enough, John Arbuckle's voice actor uh, was also really good. Like mm. you, I can hear it in my head all this time. Uh, that was voiced by a guy named uh, Tom Hughie. Ah, uh, and his only connection was is that he was uh, one of Jim Davis's uh, fraternity brothers back at <laughs> Ball State. <laughs> <laughs> all right, please, Jake, please. Uh, then later, I didn't. I didn't see any of this show. If you could tell me anything about the Garfield show, the CGI animated it's TV series, fucking awful. It's terrible. It ran it's, from it ran from 2009 to 2016. It got a long run. Well, if you everything you need to know about like the weird dissociation of the Garfield show 
is uh, A, Lorenzo Music, unfortunately, passed from cancer. And Frank Welker, who's literally voiced everything ever, uh, ended up replacing him. But Frank Welker's voice is just, he is just this sleepy, uh, hippie Bob Dylan right, guy. Right, because it's, he it does Fred Jones in Scooby-Doo, and he's done that. That was his first gig, yeah. and that was in 1969. He also is the voice of Megatron and Nibbler on Futurama. Basically, every cartoon dog voice you've ever like thought of is actually Frank Welker, and it's mm. kind of terrifying. Anyway... Uh, he, it, the voice is just wrong. The comic delivery is wrong. Uh, and the kind of satellite. Wow. I can like feel the saliva building in my mouth. Um, <laughs> this like kind of, the I know tr- I've been very salivating too today. I don't know what it is. I just feel like my mouth is, we're just thinking about that, that delicious lumpy orange lasagna. <laughs> I am actually, I really want some lasagna. Right Do now. not feed your cat lasagna. The garlic content alone oh, will kill them. The alum family is deadly. Your cat's heart will stop if, <laughs> and maybe it doesn't shit itself to death from all the cheese. Um, anyway, uh, the, so, Literally, the trial balloon for the Garfield show, which is the CGI animated thing based out of a studio in France. So there's already a language gap um, and it's like cheap CG animation. So like they really don't have a lot of freedom to like kind of do characters uh, and like you know, animations in art form, whatever um, is called Garfield Gets Real. And in which uh, it literally takes place in, quote unquote, comic land and Garfield hates his life hates that he has to do the same jokes over and over again and he ah. escapes into the quote-unquote real world but uh it's all cg animated and like it's cheap cg animation so garfield's in like a cheap cg animated world and he's like i hate it here i, I hate it here i'm gonna go to the real world and he goes to the real world and it's also right. shitty cheap cg cartoon like cartoon animation so there's like no physical difference it's bad it's really bad um there's like garfield pet force where they have like weird superheroes it's and in all of this garfield is was not meant to like do all this stuff it's always even in the tv specials i remember the there's like one where garfield like is in a and an island vacation and like John has to like drive a Corvette into a volcano. Like uh, a lot of this actually has to do with a guy named Mark Evanier, who is this kind of behind the scenes, legendary guy within pop culture. He's written uh, for Marvel and DC. Uh, he uh, kind of basically wrote the definitive book on Jack Kirby and his kind of like uh, uh boomer vaudeville pop culture, aesthetic really like gelled with Jim Davis who is also this kind of like boomer corny guy and a lot of the tone a lot of the because Garfield does a lot of like pop culture pastiche in the old show and the new show is definitely from uh, Mark Evanier's writing um, uh, although Jim Davis would be there every uh, voice recording to help direct them you know how when you're recording voiceover work and there's just like this weird rich old man demanding that you do the lines as he says uh-huh. you know that's fun so next we get to Garfield the movie, uh, which is a very important work directed by Peter Hewitt. His uh, de- directorial debut was Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Uh, he uh, the the of course the sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And as we all know, Bill Murray played Garfield, or as maybe hopefully you know. I will say though, Jack Nicholson was offered the role. And um, uh, Bill Murray recorded all of his dialogue either at his apartment or on the set of The Life Aquatic. And it's uh, the film strongly features the song Holla by the Baja Men. 
and of course, there's this. Everyone tells this story, but I will read the full quote. Bill Murray tells this story. Well, Bill. Well, everyone tells the story of Bill Murray telling this story. This was, I believe, in G- GQ. I think he talks about this. It's in GQ. He's talked about it on a Reddit AMA. Here's the quote from GQ. It's so damn funny. I thought it would be kind of fun because doing a voice is challenging and I'd never done that. Plus, I looked at the script and said so-and-so and Joel Cohen. And I thought, Christ, well, I love those Cohens. They're funny. So I sort of read a few pages of it and thought, yeah, I'd like to do that. So they went off and shot the movie and I forgot all about it. Finally, I went out to L.A. to record my lines. And usually when you're looping a movie, if it takes two days, that's a lot. I don't know if I should even tell this story because it's kind of mean. What the hell? It's interesting. So so I worked all day and kept going. That's the line? Well, I can't say that. And you sit there and go, "What, what can I say that will make this funny and make it make sense? And I worked. I was exhausted, soaked with sweat, and the lines got worse and worse. And I said, okay, you better show me the whole rest of the movie so we can see what we're dealing with. (laughs) <laughs> Something you never want to hear from a voice actor. So I sat down and watched the whole thing, and I kept saying, who the hell cut this thing? Who did this? What the fuck was Cohen thinking? And then they explained it to me. It wasn't written by that Joel Cohen. Of course, the Cohen brothers of, uh, you know. Blood Simple. B- Big Lebowski, you know. The, no the, Country the for Old Men. Autor, famous Cohen brothers. A different Joel Cohen. This Joel Cohen, he did write on Toy Story. He also wrote on Monster Mash the movie. He's got an interesting. Cheaper by the dozen. And of course, everybody, uh, if you haven't seen Zombieland, one of the best moments in the film is when Murray, Bill Murray, spoiler alert, Bill Murray is dying in his house, and one of them asks if he regrets anything, and right before he dies, he says, Garfield, maybe. <laughs> but here's away. the thing, I'm, I'm going to give Bill Murray a little bit of shit on this. He talks about how it was this crazy mix-up, and oh, he didn't want to do it, and then he shows up anyway for the sequel, Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties, Garfield, A Tale of Two which Kitties. is so awful, Gar- it was released direct to DVD. I love these kinds of plots. Garfield goes to London, where he and Odie uh, end up escaping the apartment, only to switch places with Prince 12, the heir to the late Lady Eleanor Carlyle's fortune, but her nephew will not let that happen, um, because her nephew is evil and um, and then calamity ensues. Uh, there's like- a clip you can watch online from the movie that I feel like epitomizes everything that is terrible about these Garfield movies in which uh, in A Tale of Two Kitties, uh, Garfield uh, makes lasagna from scratch with the help of barn animals while delivering horrible one-liners uh, just nonsensical like bumper sticker idiocy uh, <laughs> while the uh, <laughs> while the uh, what's the uh, the Black Eyed Peas song where they just louder and pump it and pump it is blasting at full volume. It I, is. I think this one did garbage. actually make it to the theaters. Are you sure? I thought it was direct to DVD. Well, there are three other direct to DVD sequels that happened uh, after that. Garfield gets real. Awful. Garfield's Fun Fest and Garfield's Pet Force. I watched a little bit of Pet Force, That's and it amazing. is a fucking acid nightmare. What I do want to find more of, though, and more importantly than the stupid fucking movies, is the musical. So, originally, the producer of A Chorus Line, Joseph Papp, he tried to get a stage musical off the ground, but he was unable to. Later, though, Jim Davis wrote the book for a full-length stage musical called Garfield Live that premiered in Muncie, Indiana. The opening song, Catitude, can apparently be heard online, but we can't find it. Also, On the Fence and Going Home apparently can be found on their website. If somebody can dig these up, I will say this. I found a website with 
Garfield the musical songs. I don't know if this is from this musical at this point because none of those other three songs existed on the playlist. But here, Mary, please, for me, will you please play I Hate Mondays? So, Monday, we meet again. I hate Mondays. Yeah. So there you go. Um, (laughs) Now, uh, something happened as the generation that grew up with Garfield at the Scholastic Book Fair kind of got older and the Internet kind of became this universal meme exchange culture. Uh And uh, while basically while Jim Davis spent more and more time and effort making sure that his his comic was basically without a perspective and without content because how do you create something that'll play just as well in Saudi Arabia as it will in, uh, you know, Miami, Florida, you just don't say anything anymore. Um, the internet kind of injected its own content. Yes, uh, one of really the really weird with it. Uh, parodies and memes and all sorts of remixes started coming in. Uh, one of the most famous ones, uh, Garfield minus Garfield. Garfield minus Garfield. But I think actually before Garfield, I think the OG that kind of led up to it was that first of all, the Garfield randomizer, which would just take three random panels from Garfield comics and smash them together to at times very funny and bizarre results. After that, the internet turned to de- de-garfed. Garfield's own thought bubbles are removed to show John's paranoia. It's also called Silent Garfield. The writer of the webcomic Arbuckle, who does the same thing, but he redraws the strips in different, a different style. He said, I love this quote. It's very um, Herzog. Garfield changes from being a comic about a sassy, corpulent feline and becomes a compelling picture of a lonely, pathetic, delusional man who talks to his pets. Consider that John, according to Garfield Cannon, cannot hear his cat's thoughts. This is the world as he sees it. This is his story. <laughs> After that comes realistic Garfield, where they redraw Garfield as a re-cat, uh, as a real cat without the thought bubbles taking it a step further. And then the one that really broke through, as you mentioned before, in 2008, the site was launched by Dan Walsh, Garfield minus Garfield. This is the first time I saw any of this internet weirdness, and I immediately became obsessed with it. I love, I love Garfield minus Garfield. I remember the internet was so different back then. Like now, you just like watch somebody stream shit all day, and there's so many more options. Before, I think one of my two sites I visited every day was Garfield minus Garfield, and Overheard in New York. Oh yeah, do you remember that site? Yeah. I would never visit that site regularly t- today. Nobody visits sites regularly at all anymore. Well, Reddit, you know, I mean, That's Facebook. an aggregator. Those uh-huh. are all aggregators. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, lasagna cat uh, is a video series that kind of started <laughs> where they would like reenact uh, a, just a random Garfield strip. Mm-hmm. It was like weird costuming and like That's a awesome. hazy VHS filter. And then inspired by that comic, it would kind of like degrade and morph into like basically a Tim and Eric style absurdist sketch, ah. um, which would like end up becoming like basically anything. It was just this amazing video experiment. Hmm. Uh, they brought it back. Like I think last year with a one hour special, Another one uh, that I really like is uh, base. Okay, here's here's how it breaks down. As of as of this recording, I don't know if they've hit the magic number yet, but there are fifth close to fifteen thousand ori- like original comic strips with this character that is instantly recognizable, ninety five percent Q score, and so there is nothing that is more like 
tasty to remix culture than just raw like chaff raw product that you can take and remix that other people will immediately recognize without any introduction uh-huh um there was garfield Gardfield, which is like a 4chan meme, which were these like fucked up, like weird MS Paint videos. And on top of that, even just individual Garfield strips would like kind of out of the blue get taken out of context and be uh, and be like kind of remixed and become memes within themselves. Uh, one which I am very, I feel like we have to address at the at the very least. Please. Is um, May 30th, 1990, the infamous Garfield dog semen comic strip. Uh, Holden, I'm going to hand you uh, this strip, and I want you to describe the three panels that you see. Okay, so it's John talking to, that looks like Liz, uh, Mm -hmm. the veterinarian, right? And she's holding Garfield. He's at the veterinarian's office. He's looking down. Uh, He says, have a cup of coffee, John. Why, thanks. Don't mind if I do, says John Arbuckle. He says all of that, Mm -hmm. right? Kind of pushing him on to getting the coffee. He takes, and then the next panel, he's taking a drink of the, from the cup of coffee, and then Liz says, congratulations, Mr. Arbuckle. And then in the final scene, uh, Mr. Arbuckle looking very upset about what he's just drank, and his eyes are all crazy and everything. Liz is happy. She's arm around, uh, arm around Garfield. She says, you are going to give birth to a fine, healthy litter of puppies. And then Garfield says in his thought bubble, I hate puppies. So he is drinking some of Odie's cum. We hope Odie's. We hope Odie's. Right, maybe a different dog's. Well, why do we hope Odie's? Wouldn't it be better if he drank some random dog's cum instead of his own dog's cum? I mean, he has to live with Odie for the rest of his life knowing that he drank his cum. I, f- I think it's much better that the semen came from a different uh, dog. Like, you know when you, like, walk a dog that you, like, care about, you're, like, you're fine with picking up its shit, but if you stepped in another dog's shit, you'd be like, ew, grossy, gross. I feel like if, if, it, if I had to drink accidentally the semen of an animal it would hopefully be like one that i'm already like i have to like be involved in its fluid life anyway uh this comic became a viral hit on reddit it became retweeted endlessly um people started finding out that you could buy full-size prints of it it became such a ubiquitous meme that buzzfeed actually confronted jim davis about it (laughs) And Jim Davis on October 19, 2017, uh, he claims, this is his excuse, uh, well, you know, on the farm, actually, I, it's, he has this very weird Midwest, like, Kermit-y. Of like, course thing. he does. On the farm, we used to, on the farm, we used to give first calf heifers a high-protein supplement to help them deliver healthier calves. Ha. Uh, the yeah, supplement right, was Jim. provided by our vet. Since Liz is a vet, I assumed there would be a similar supplement for dogs. Yeah, so right. So John is drinking a protein-enriched drink formulated for a pregnant dog. You're fucking full of it, Jim. <laughs> You're fucking full of it. Um, so, yeah, are there any other uh, cum drinking or other comic strips well, you wanted to bring up? there was the time that Garfield insulted the troops. Okay. <laughs> Oh, was that? But that, he said, like, that was totally an accident. No. The Veterans Day thing? Jim Davis fucking hates the troops. No, the Veterans Day thing, it was like these spiders calling it Happy Stupid Day because they got smashed. Look, he came out and said, like, he has a brother. I think it was like he has two relatives who were heavily military. He wrote this trip weeks before. It was a total coincidence that it came out, and it looked like he was making fun of the Veterans Day thing. I didn't even write that down, Jay, because I thought that was complete horseradish. No, I mean, it's, I'm glad you love the troops more than Jim Davis does. Interesting. Uh, and another famous uh, chunk is from 1989. This was the Halloween week strips where Garfield fucking died. 
Yes, and it was all this very disturbing. It was about his his battle with loneliness. It was this very dark, right? Gar- throughout the week, Garfield finds himself waking up on a chilly morning, and he just is awakens in an empty house. The windows are boarded up, cobwebs litter the furniture, and Garfield realizes for the first time he is alone. You have no idea how alone you are, Garfield, reads the uh, narration caption. Uh, He then realizes that he will starve to death and he confronts his emotional abandonment. And then by the end of the week, uh, he realizes that it was all just a fucked up hallucination with no explanation, and he hugs John and Odie. There were a lot of fans that wrote in, some saying they loved this uh, strip, they thought it was so interesting and new, and other fans uh, writing in being like, this isn't a trend, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, any other ones uh, before we uh, start wrapping things up here, Jay? Uh, mention, uh, she drank the dog cum. Yes, he definitely drank the dog come. We know that. Yes. What else do you have? Uh, he disrespected the troops. Uh, those are the main oh, ones. Those are the right. ones he I got the disrespected internet. the troops. Look, uh, when asked about comics that he loves today, he says, today I enjoy Peanuts, Blondie, Kathy, for better or for worse, The Far Side, Doonesbury, Mother Goose and Grimm, which by the way, shout out to Mother Goose and Grimm. I love Mother Goose and Grimm. Very funny comic strip. Beetle Bailey, Get Fuzzy. My favorite though is probably Calvin and Hobbes, but it's no longer being done, which is a shame. I love that he said that. Yes, I get total, total, uh, totally justified. Um, uh, also, uh, Jake, X-Men or Garfield? Uh, Garfield, because he was before Wolverine. Transformers or Garfield? Uh, Garfield Transformers wasn't that great of a show. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, there's more to the franchise than just uh, that. Uh, this uh, 2018. Stanley Kubrick or Garfield? Garfield, man. What? Star Wars or Garfield? The entirety of Garfield versus the entirety of yes. Star Wars? Force Awakens is pretty good. All right, Star Wars. Okay, there you go. There you have it. Uh, 2018 marked the 40th anniversary wow, of Garfield. That's amazing. Uh, for the uh, uh, for the commemorative book, there was a foreword by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yes, and there he, was. Uh, kind of finally put into words what it was that finally like that because again reading you read a Garfield comic now and that's why there's so many memes people are like what the fuck was this and why do why do I read so you know 10,000 comic strips of this Uh, Lin-Manuel says there's the character of Garfield himself an ironic detached cat who is meant who is mean to everyone and somehow all the more lovable for it when I was a child he was the closest thing I had to an id able to poke fun at everyone around him, the coolest person in the room at all times. Yet just as often he was the butt of the joke, the victim of the universe. Mm. There was no question that he ran John Arbuckle's household in the way that real cats do. Poor, meek, hapless John. Downright tragic if you remove Garfield from the equation. Hmm. Before Bart Simpson, before Wolverine, before rock and roll, before any single, like, even smidge of rebellion or attitude or sarcasm or irony or anything that like helps us cope with the fucked up nature of the world. Garfield was that first voice of, Hey, you know, shit sucks sometimes. And as a kid that was, that resonated. I was chubby. Girls didn't like me. I ate too much lasagna by the handful (laughs) Uh, I kicked my dog all the time. Through the, yeah, I kicked a, a cute cat through a wall. Uh, I, <laughs> I sent my sister to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> and Garfield opened up that world. Garfield 
was that initial introduction and it and he operates on such a, a base like level on such a low common denominator that anyone can feel that anyone can appreciate it. And even though it has been uh, much like a cat uh, spayed and neutered <laughs> to the point of near irrelevance by the forces of market capitalism, uh, that that he is like priest, you know, he's Sanrio meets uh, Walt Disney meets, you know, Jim Davis has created this bizarre empire from just like a few base assumptions about what people want to see in this world. Uh, and I would love to leave you all with this quote from Jim Davis. This is his advice for anybody trying to get into the game of being a cartoonist. He says, read, read, and read. To be a good comic strip artist, you must be a good writer. Art's important, but writing can make or break you. Learn all you can. Watch movies and TV. Socialize. Have friends and activities. Study people and their behavior. Draw. Try different drawing tools and styles. Above all, have something to say that's unique or different. Something that's especially you. Uh, Mary, to close out the show, could you please play a clip of Mike Pence, then a U.S. congressman, uh, wishing Garfield a happy birthday on the floor of the United States Congress. Or not. Either way, whatever you want to do. Mr. Speaker, as the congressman who represents Muncie, Indiana, and Delaware County, home to the most famous cat in the world, I rise today for the awesome and important duty to pay a happy birthday wish to Garfield. Garfield loves TV and he hates Mondays. He'd rather pig out than work out. In fact, his passion for food and sleep is matched only by his aversion to diet and exercise. A cat after my own heart. Fucking Jim Davis owns Indiana. You can walk the Garfield Trail in Indiana. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this week's episode on Garfield. If you'd like to support us further, visit our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. And or for free, you can uh, write and review us on iTunes. So helpful for us if you do that. If you have not done it yet, please, 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 I, I beg of you at your feet. I throw myself down at your shoes and ask you to do that. You can follow me on twitch.tv forward slash Holden. You can follow me on Twitter. By the way, it's not that. Twitch.tv <laughs> forward slash Holdenators Ho. I'm sorry. It's Twitch.tv slash Holdenators Ho. Yes. Okay. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Best Jake Young. And uh, I also do stuff with the Drawfee channel on YouTube. Go to dorkly.com for other such shenanigans. Religion or Garfield? Oh, fuck it. Garfield is my religion. Jesus, God. Help us all. Garfield, help us. <laughs> Price drop? Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! 
the most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.